This is The Parent Perspective, a podcast created to help parents and carers support their children in making more informed career decisions with greater confidence, knowledge and understanding. In each episode, we will share your experiences of navigating career conversations with your children and provide insights into how the world of work is changing from trusted experts, organisations and employers already working with young people today. It's time for your perspective to count. Hello and welcome back to The Parent Perspective. My name is Steve and I'm your host today. In this week's episode, I meet award-winning careers expert and business studies teacher Sarah Barley. She shares her advice for parents with me based on the wealth of experience she has from working with young people. We'll also hear from one of the apprentices that you heard in the advert at the top of this week's show about what working in television and media as a sales apprentice is really like and why they chose to start their career at Channel 4. Sarah will then also be answering the questions that have already been submitted by some of the listeners at the end of the show. You can submit your questions by clicking on the link in the show notes. Hello, Sarah. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. Are you? I am, thank you. Yeah, it's great to have you on The Parent Perspective. So to those people that don't know who you are, could you start by giving us a little bit of background to yourself, please? Yeah, I'm Sarah Bali. I'm the Trust Director of Employability with the Education Alliance. Uh, I'm also a teacher, a teacher of business and have been teaching for the last 15 years. Absolutely love my job as a teacher. Uh, And I also run a a small business uh, providing resources to national schools to help them link careers to the curriculum. Mm -hmm. How do you fit all that in? That's so much. (laughs) (laughs) I don't actually know. This is a question that I get asked all the time. How on earth do you do it? You must be working in your sleep. Uh, I think for me, when you absolutely love what you do and you're really, really, really passionate about your job and the young people that you work with, you just want to put everything into that. So, you know, coming up with new ideas, new projects is just what I do. Uh, And seeing the benefit that the young people get out of that just keeps me motivated. So yeah, I do find the time. Uh, We we get good holidays as teachers, so that keeps you motivated as well. Uh, But yeah, absolutely just love providing resources and programmes and working with young people. So that is my motivation. Excellent. Um, And it's probably a question I can throw in there to start with then. So if there's any parents that are listening that their um, children might be struggling to think about what career is like, what would be the, the first steps that they might want to take in terms of starting the career conversation with them that you'd recommend? I think it's finding out what their children, their son, daughters, uh, people in their care absolutely want to to do because they love it. What do they enjoy? What are they enjoying in school? Um, What is it that really gets them motivated? You know, is it working with numbers? Is it writing? Um, Do they enjoy being creative? You know, I think finding out what they enjoy in school is is probably the first thing to do um, because we've got to start thinking about job roles that we want to do because we enjoy them and I think it's often difficult for young people to kind of start off on their career uh, journey and you know we often hear these discussions about young people struggling to come up with what should I be Mm. Uh, and, and they're worried about this from a very very young age and I think that the first piece of advice that I give to young people and their parents is, what do you do in school? What do you enjoy? What subjects do you enjoy? Right, now let's look at what careers might link to those subjects. And that's a big piece of work that we've been doing is trying to get teaching staff to link what they do in the classroom to the job roles that they might uh, look at when they leave school, college, uh, university, whatever it might be. Uh, And I think that's a great starting point, thinking about the skills that they develop in the classroom, how that might transfer to the world of work. And that raises that kind of passion and motivation for a certain industry, I think. Um, But yeah, lots of work to do in school and outside of school as well. Yeah, great advice there. Um, What feedback do you get from, from parents about some of their biggest challenges then? I think the biggest challenge is identifying the job roles that exist in the local area you know what are the up-and-coming roles what 
skills gaps are present, what might be available when their son or daughter leaves school? Because we're starting to think about this in year seven, uh, some primary schools even. Um, and quite often it's difficult to kind of predict what the job market might look like. Um, parents often want to know what are the most popular job roles in the area. And I think discussing local labour market information with them in school, maybe the careers leader getting involved in local labour market information and projects, which I know many are doing across the country now, is really, really important. Mm. You know, for example, we have a number of students who want to go into fashion up in the Humber. Uh, and quite often, you know, they, they, they need to relocate to different parts of the country to get the best out of that career. But if that young person knows that local labour market information early enough, they can make the best decision for them. Um, so I would say that's probably a big challenge for everyone, really. Yeah, you know, and that's true as well. I know somebody in the village that I live in that um, uh, is a friend of the family and she went to university and studied fashion and then she came back home and she was kind of like well I don't want to relocate so I'm going to start my own business so she's <laughs> taken that opportunity to become yeah. her own kind of fashion leader so that's always something that can be considered as well um with um the work that you do you must have supported hundreds of parents in advising and guiding their children when they're thinking about their careers um any kind of do's and don'ts from a parent perspective of what they should and shouldn't do yeah if you've got some ideas I, I think I think it's really important to allow their young son daughters children to experience the career that they might apply for or get into in the future there's a lot of misconception with careers that comes from parental experience based on what as a parent myself based on what I can remember about applying for jobs mm. and I think the biggest issue that we face is maybe giving our um, children incorrect advice that may be out of date um, so the biggest piece of advice that I would give parents is allow your children to experience some of the industries. It's been difficult this year, obviously, with the pandemic and work experience, but work experience is a great opportunity to go and do that, um, undertaking local projects, um, local um, enterprise projects might also be an option. And really speaking to the careers advisors in school and, and teachers, because they are getting involved in careers now more than ever. So I think it's really important to kind of put your perception of certain industries aside and allow young people to make the decisions. Obviously, we're going to guide them. I'm, I'm a parent myself and I will <laughs> guide my own children and support them. Um, but I think it's really important to gather as much information as possible through experience and through expertise from the school, um, which are, are all doing a fantastic job at supporting the young people with the career choices that they'll make in the future. Yeah, and you mentioned um, a little bit ago there around um, labour market information. For a parent that might not know what labour market information is, what kind of stuff are they looking at there? Labour market information is really, really important. It's looking at maybe the growth um, of that particular industry, what the predicted job uh, numbers and roles might be, wages, salaries, you know, the average working uh, week, which is really, really important information for, <clears throat> excuse me, for young people. You know, for example, in the Humber, we've got a, a fantastic um, port industry. We are up and coming in digital roles. We have a factory being built um, with Siemens to build trains for the London Underground so for me that information is really important for example for our engineers those young people that want to get into engineering just that very very subtle conversation of did you know that there's going to be a factory being built soon uh, that's going to you know provide uh, trains for the London Underground that's a great opportunity that for me is really important labour market information because they can then make a choice of what they do, you know, in terms of further study, applying in the local area or moving somewhere else. Um, and I think young people need all of that information. It's not just about what jobs exist. It's about what's going to happen in that local area. And that is absolutely essential for both parents and students. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I think that over the, maybe for some of the parents listening, there might have been terms that they've heard before, kind of around, um, what is it, a um, brain drain and people yeah. leaving local areas to go and work in big cities. I mean, I, I grew up in the countryside and went to go live in London to start my career and now found myself back here. Yeah. And my career hasn't been affected by that. And I think sometimes there is a, I mean, I can just understand it with young people and I'm sure you will because you're a teacher that they want to be able to go and explore the world. And sometimes they don't think that it's as exciting as it could be <laughs> where they live. But that um, ability to see past that and see the opportunities in front of them is also really important as well. I think as well that, you know, if you're a parent, you're thinking, how can I support them with labour market information? In schools, we have resources and beautiful posters on the walls. We can structure a lesson around labour market information. Even as a parent, just watching the news, watching the local business news, you know, what's what's going on, what's happening, keeping an eye on business. You know, I drove to um, Harrogate for a, for a day trip out and we, we drove past the Haribo factory and it sparked a conversation. In, I mean, yeah, can you imagine the Haribo <laughs> It sparked a conversation in the car about that, about with my young children who are both of primary school age, what 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 happens there, mum? And you know, what how is that where they make the Haribo? And just that discussion, just passing somewhere in a car and having that conversation sparks so much interest in that particular business. And actually that's that's labor market information. That factory is there, it's providing jobs, these are the jobs that are there. You know, it, it can be as, as straightforward as that, just having those conversations and keeping an eye on what's going around us in our local towns and cities. Mm. Yeah, I remember uh, um, an event that I was at years ago and there was uh, Sarah Beanie there on the panel and she was talking about her four young boys and how she approaches career conversations. And she said a very similar thing along the lines of any opportunity she has with her children to kind of point out what's going on around them and even yeah. the restaurant and kind of being if they're admiring. I mean, she's obviously into design. So if she's admiring kind of some lighting features or something, having that conversation of them, well, how do you think that's made? So yeah. they start to th have the thought processes and critical thinking skills to be able to to apply it to their career uh, journey I suppose absolutely mm. so one of the questions that I've got here is that we're, we often hear young people talk and then you've mentioned it as well about the the impact of their parents reactions and kind of the influence that they have maybe even the language that they use around certain pathways what would your advice be to parents with regard to that I think just keeping an open mind on on the career choices and the and the job roles that exist um, maybe asking the school for some support. It, it kind of depends on the parent. Often parents um, have experience in that sector. We have a lot of children who want to do the same thing as their parents or the same job. Uh, and the, the, the conversation is very influential. And that parent might actually have more uh, knowledge and expertise than some of the careers advisors in school because they're within that industry. Um, but if not, it's really important to, to allow the young people to speak to the professionals in school, um, maybe even speak to some local employers about what it's like and get their perspective. You know, I've had parents who have taken the, the, the kind of strategy of, of, of asking local employers, you know, what is what is it that you do? And, um, you know, what what's the day to day job like? And would you mind having a conversation um, it's surprising how supportive employers are of young people going into their industry. It's a recruitment opportunity as well for them, which is brilliant. Um, but giving back to the local schools in their area and allowing uh, the, you know, their, their staff to talk to schools and talk to parents and talk to young people is really, really um, important. And actually, they are really supportive and they have been with, with many of our schools. Um, so I think just getting that information, maybe asking people who are working within that industry, what's it like, what do you do, um, and, and seeking advice from the school as well is, is particularly important. But yeah, it depends on the parent, doesn't it? I suppose some parents know more than me. Mm. You know, some parents are accountants and they therefore know more than I do. But I think for me, I've also worked with the parents as well and brought parents into my school to help other children um, because they have been you know, able to talk about a profession much better than I can. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's it's seeking out the, the information from the best people uh, and, and looking for the best information um, based on what you know and what you maybe don't know of the local area. Mm. 
that's very true actually that kind of that lived experience that people have got that you don't have is really important so we're not being blinkered and we're not having conversations about just what we know about um because you can end up having your own kind of echo chambers there and then not really expanding the horizons for your yeah. kids can't you I think the difficulty as well is that often as a parent, as a teacher, as a careers advisor, young people want you to tell them what to do. Um, and I've had uh, examples of parents who have, you know, really provided maybe too much guidance at time and at times and told them what they want them to do. Um, and, and that's quite often a difficult conversation to have with that young person because I think for all of us me included it's not about telling them what to do or what they think what you think they'll be best at it's about providing them with as much information as possible about the industry the job roles the local labor market information progression routes and pathways allowing them to have all of that information possibly even experience those industries if possible and then make a choice based on all of that information and experience and I think if they're able to do that they're able to gather all of that information and advice they'll make a better choice uh, and you know that they, they, they then understand that it's still their choice but they've had every bit of information provided to them by all of us parents teachers careers leaders uh, and friends and family and that would be better for that young person yeah and I would see an opportunity there as well in terms of self-awareness for young people because often they'll say oh, I want to go and do a particular career I think I'd be really good at that and I would guess as a parent that you've got a very good understanding of what you think they can and can't do in terms of what would be better suited and the ability to maybe say to them that's great but from what I've seen that might not be the best path for example. Yeah <laughs> yeah that's it it's it, it's making sure that they've got as much information as possible on what they might do and, and ensuring that they make the decision that's right for them um, with, with guidance. We've still got to guide and support, but not decide, I think. That's the key. We'll be back with Sarah shortly, but first it's time to take a short break and hear from today's sponsor, Channel 4. This includes an insight into a day in the life of one of their sales apprentices, Sharon. I sub-edit programme billings and make sure the press and public know what's going to be on for music. I also tag content so your recommended programmes similar to those you've already watched online. Day to day, I support the sales team by providing insight into our audiences and carrying out in-depth research on current topics. I watch popular shows on all four and pick out my favourite bits for social media. I do a bit of cutting and sticking to make compelling and engaging video for audiences to watch. Our responsibility to look after the campaign and make sure they have enough airtime going out on TV. So I look at what is performing well and what isn't performing well on our social media platforms and I turn the numbers into stories. A career in television and media today might not be what you'd expect. With opportunities across the UK, working in departments that are integral to the success of some of the UK's biggest and most popular shows, an apprenticeship at Channel 4 is so much more than what you see on the screen. Search Channel 4 Apprenticeships to find out more. Hi, so I'm Sharon. I work in the Manchester office within agency sales. Um, this is the four sales department, which is, um, we have offices also in London, Manchester and Leeds, but I'm mainly based within the nations of regions within Manchester, yeah. Great, and so why did you choose an apprenticeship over the other options that were available to you? So, I chose an apprenticeship because it was a way for me to gain a real life work experience. And it was kind of like a fast track um, to be able to do an apprenticeship within the media industry and kind of get ahead. And also like I wasn't really keen on going to university and being in student debt. So I thought what's the greater way for me to gain experience, also gain a qualification out of it. And that's when I uh, come across Channel 4's apprenticeship and I just knew that was what I wanted to do and was more in line with my future and my goals. So why did you choose Channel 4 and their apprenticeship then? So I chose Channel 4's apprenticeship, one, because I've always wanted to work in media for as long as I can remember and two, with Channel 4 being so diverse and the remit and not being afraid to take risks, I just knew that was the kind of company that I wanted to be with and to eventually grow and um, 
stay with them for a long term. And one of the most interesting about the apprenticeship was um, the salary that they would give to apprentices. That was quite very interesting for me to see because I'd also done my research on the apprenticeship and their salary and what they were offering the apprenticeship seemed more like in line with what I wanted. So what does a typical day look like working in sales then, Sharon? So my typical day would be 9.30 start, which is always great. Um, put on my laptop, I'll probably go through all my emails to see if there's anything I need to do from the night before. So the way the day kind of looks like is that we have different systems for different use. So we have a system called Carrier. This is where all the agency will send all the campaigns and then it's my responsibility and the teams to then go into the Carrier and book that money onto the system. Now, once that money has gone onto the system, it's then our responsibility to look after the campaign campaign and make sure they have enough airtime going out on TV. I'll probably say one of the most satisfying bit is when you're at home with your family and an advert comes on TV and you're like, oh my gosh, I literally did that today or I did it yesterday. I think that's very satisfying when you see that because you know like I put the advert on for the nation to be able to see my work. I would also say um, the job is very proactive, like you get to meet with agencies, you also get to go to agencies, offices, whether that's in London, Bristol, my gosh, I can't even say that word, whether that's in London, Leeds or Manchester, you get to meet your agencies, you get to build a great relationship with them, so I'll probably say that's one of the most exciting bit about the job, you're not always based at your desk, there's always things to do and to be proactive. Mm. And what do you enjoy the most about working at Channel 4? Is there anything specific about the organisation as a whole? See, I get asked this question a lot about my friends and family, and I always say to them is that there's not other company that I've worked for that has made me feel the way Channel 4 has. With the way Channel 4 is just so diverse and the remit just stands out, like you can be who you want to be, like the channel itself is so free and I always say this to people, it's a place where I do want to grow old and um, be successful in and I couldn't see myself work for a different company. I also think the way uh, the channel looks after its employees is absolutely amazing, like pretty much every single um, season, like now it's going to summer, we get sent out treats off like Easter, we get sent out treats. And it's just like those small little things that matter when you're either having a bad day, like there's always people there to look after you. So like I always say to everybody, it's one of the best places to work at. And even when I get contacted on LinkedIn by young people who want to get into TV, and they ask me questions like, oh, what is it that I do? How is the company? I always, always just tell them my experiences and just be brutal honest and say it's one of the best companies mm. I've worked for definitely. And have you learned anything new whilst you've been in role either about yourself or about media that's interesting? Yes definitely I'll probably say when I was little and I wanted to work in media I kind of always thought maybe there's just a button that somebody presses and it sends all the adverts for tv but since working for Channel 4 I've realized actually Sharon there's nobody that just pressed the button everything gets sent to the tv like I actually have to do it but then that also makes me feel like very important like I'm actually I'm making a change to the world because obviously if the campaigns don't go out and then people see a black screen. So when I see those adverts, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so fulfilling to know that I'm a part of something great. I would also say when I first started, I was just, I was in agency sales, but then having the opportunity to work in different departments, this has then made me think to myself, oh, do you know what? I actually like this department more than I like this department and Channel 4 have been so open and so helpful with me exploring different departments to find exactly where I fit in and what my niche is. Before I let you go Sharon, is there anything else that parents should know about working at Channel 4 that you'd like them to hear? I would definitely say is that you have nothing to worry because Channel 4 is more than just a place of work, it's a family, like I know since I've been there 
there's so many people I can turn around to and speak to them about so many things. Like it's the most supportive place to be. And like I mentioned before, I couldn't really see myself having to go anywhere else. So yeah, I would just uh, rephrase that like, they, are, they actually have nothing to worry about. Like they're there to be looked after. And at the end of it, they're gonna get an amazing qualification and amazing experiences that's gonna open so many doors for them and take them to places that they didn't actually think was even possible to go to and that's what Channel 4 has done for me so yeah definitely getting to an apprenticeship with Channel 4. Thanks again for joining us on the podcast Sharon and for sharing your experiences of working as a sales apprentice at Channel 4. Now let's head back to the conversation with Sarah and hear her answers to some of the questions that you've been submitting. I've got, got some questions here from some parents that have been sent in that I'd love to, to throw at you. But before I do, if we're looking at support that parents can get from people like yourself in schools, um, where should they go to start that kind of information gathering process? The best person to contact in school is the careers leader. Every school has a designated careers leader who will be there to support not only teachers and students and staff, but also parents. Um, A number of careers leaders nationally will um, maybe put on events for parents, send out newsletters and information, um, or they'll have other events running right throughout the year. If a parent wanted to ask a specific question about careers or maybe what's going in school to support their their child, uh, getting in touch with a careers leader is, is the first point of call. And actually, on all school websites, careers leaders should be named. That's a really important part of the career strategy is that a careers leader is named on their website. So if you wanted to find out who they were, um, you would find the name on that website. If not, it it would just be a case of calling the school and asking who the careers leader is uh, and then taking that from there. So the first one is from Ali in London. So she would like to know what advice would you give parents who have children that will be choosing their GCSE options in the next academic year? thinking forward so we're thinking about results day and um how I suppose from from what I've seen in school so I used to be a teacher as well uh, many moons ago kind of that that moment when you open up an envelope and the results may or may not be what you expected how can we best prepare young people to ensure that they're they're picking the right subjects I think I I think it's important to pick the subjects that they enjoy the most This is a really difficult conversation for students to have with both parents and teachers. And I think there's nothing wrong in saying that you should be passionate about the subjects that you are taking. It's very difficult for a child who is taking their GCSEs and just starting out on that examination journey to decide what they want to be. Not everybody will have an idea at that point and they get so bogged down in thinking what subject do I take because I don't know what I want to be and that is it it is very very stressful there are some children who absolutely know that they want to be a doctor so therefore have to pick certain GCSEs and have to get a certain uh, set of grades but for those that don't the biggest piece of advice I would give them is to pick the subjects that they absolutely enjoy the most and they want to develop Uh, more and and find out more about and it's the same for university students as well university students I say there's nothing wrong in writing down on your personal statement that you are picking a course because you absolutely love that subject you don't know what you want to do with it yet you will do but for now you just want to do what you love and actually that is a really really important part of the process what subjects do you love the most what do you enjoy the most And maybe that will allow you to find your perfect or um, best career path because you've found something that you love. And I think it's important to say as well that career paths change so much now. It's not like, you know, 30, 40 years ago where we all started off on one route and then that was it. Um, Career paths um, are interchangeable and the employability skills that you develop on one subject or in one job role will transfer to another. So for me, that that is the first step. Pick what you love to do, 
-hmm. enjoy your subjects, enjoy the time in those lessons, developing those skills. And that might allow you to think about what you want to do after you complete your examinations. Um, and just be aware that you can change that career path at any point. And that is an exciting opportunity. So that should, that should motivate young people to, uh, to pick what they want to do and pick what they love rather than what am I going to do with it um, when they're not too sure at the beginning. I would completely agree from that. With just from my own experience, I know that when I was uh, younger, I picked the subjects that I knew I was good at and that I loved doing. Yeah. And I did that all the way through my GCSEs, my A-levels, into university. And yeah, it's, at points I did feel like I was a little bit lost and I didn't quite know where I was going with things. But I was enjoying the experience. I was living in the moment and also as well. I mean, it's changed a lot since I was at university, but I was thinking about student debt as well and thinking if I'm going to be paying all of uh, kind of accruing all of this debt that I'm going to have to pay off at some point in the future. I personally want that to be worth it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's it as well. And I think, you know, we have um, students who took history degrees at university who are now accountants um because they've they've just enjoyed the subjects and then realized that they want to do something else and I think that I think it's important to get that message out there that it's okay you know in school we are talking about careers a lot more than we used to and my worry is that the people in our care think that they have to decide what to what they have to do much sooner whereas if we get the message out there that actually what we're, what we're doing we're not we're not really asking you to decide right now we're just providing with you you know with all the information that we possibly can do and then you will make a great choice on the back of that um, but if you decide two years into your apprenticeship or your job or your course if you need to change for any reason then that's absolutely fine and I think that takes the pressure off and I want to see young people in my classroom absolutely loving my subject enjoying my teaching because they want to be uh, in that classroom learning that subject rather than I'm here because I want to be uh, you know I want to, to 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 get involved in a certain industry that wouldn't be a great in classroom environment for me I want them there because they love my subject and my teaching uh, rather than looking at the end goal really. Mm. And just to take a side step whilst you're talking about that with your students you're teaching business as you said didn't you? Yes yeah. yeah. So do you get any students that are inspired by the stuff that they're learning to go and start their own business? And if there's a parent who's being po uh, kind of, uh, I'll start again. If there's a parent whose child is coming to them and saying, I want to be an entrepreneur, I want to run my own business. And they're thinking, oh no, what do I do? What's <laughs> the advice that they might need? We, we really do encourage entrepreneurial uh, spirit and skills um, our lessons are really contextualized we um, bring in real life examples into our subject which is is, is pretty straightforward in business studies we can really bring it to life because it it has to be about what's going on out in the outside world and many of our topics are linked to entrepreneurship and the skills and business planning so as a teacher, as a department, we really do promote enterprise. And I think nationally, that is really important for productivity and our economy is to allow young people to start thinking about business. We run a lot of enterprise and enrichment activities that allow young people to set up um, their own businesses in school. And I know, you know, there's many projects around the country that allows young people to get involved and has an element of competition to it. But I think, you know, on the other hand, you have to, you also have to be cautious. You know, a lot of startups fail. They do. It's 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 known. Um, and, I, and, and, you know, I think for young people, I think they need to know that whilst it's very, very important to consider setting up their own business and we, you know, we actively encourage it. We also want to make sure that they've got a, a plan B uh, and, and what, you know, what what might you do if that doesn't work out? Um, so I think it's it's keeping open minded, but also having other options um, to take should should, you know, the, a, a business that they set up not 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 work. But, yeah, it's an exciting time for young people and uh, starting up businesses. If you look at, you know, the online businesses that are coming through, you know, fit, even fit small Facebook um, businesses, it's exciting to see these young people having a go. 
Um, and I know many of them will be running their own businesses alongside their studies already. Um, so, yeah, it's an exciting time, but we always we always want to make sure that they've got other ideas as well. Great, thank you. So going back to those parent questions. So um, Geeta from Bedfordshire. So lots has changed in the last 12 to 18 months, and I'm really keen that my child embraces and thrives within those changes. But I fear she's only been taught about traditional careers or pathways. Um, I'll learn about them and I want to help to get her to think a bit bigger. Do you have any advice for kind of ways that you can she can help her child to think about um, thinking outside the box? I think what we're asking here. Yeah, I think, again, it's it's looking at what you do um, in, in your, you know, maybe maybe after school time as a as a family, making sure that you do keep an eye on the news uh, and what's going on in the local area, taking some time to research yourself what is available um, going on online and having a look at the businesses that exist in the local area. I do a really, really short um, exercise with some students, um, just getting them to research local businesses, maybe in an industry that they want to go into um, or, or looking at a general approach. You know, where is that business located? What jobs exist there? Even having a very informal conversation about a business and what job roles might exist. What do you think they do? Like we've said uh, previously, you know, what, what do they do in that in that factory? What do they do in, in, in that business that we've just passed on our way to uh, the town centre? Um, I think having those discussions just opens their mind to things, because actually, when you when you do start thinking about it, when you do start thinking about these businesses that exist in your local area, it, you, you probably weren't aware of the majority of them being there. Um, but once you start thinking about who is actually in our cities, in our towns or close to where we live, um, it, it, it becomes apparent that there's a lot more opportunity than you think. And it's about having those discussions with, with your children. You know, what, what is out there? What businesses are just opening up? What businesses do we pass on the way to school? What do you think they might do? And, and you know, that might allow them to then become more uh, open to, to doing that themselves. You know, if they're on their way to the town, just, with, you know, informally, subtly just thinking that is a business that I might like to work for in the future. I wonder what they do. It just, you subconsciously, become more aware of the environment around you if you're able to have those discussions so I would say it's all about informal discussion mm. um, picking out the businesses that um, are close to where you live looking at what it is that they do and thinking about the careers that might exist there and then you know if you want to go one step further contacting that business you know what careers uh, are available what what are the up-and-coming job roles that you might have in the future they're very very keen to to talk about their jobs because they'll be recruiting uh, and they'll want to hear from these young people very, very soon. Um, and so if we can, you know, link uh, parents and students to those businesses, everyone's going to be pleased about that. Wonderful. Thank you. Next up, we've got Nick from Sheffield. So my child has been given a conditional offer for our local college. She's studying subjects she enjoys, drama, English, psychology, um, but she doesn't have any idea what she wants to do other than travel to America. She's only in year 11, but I don't know where to start in guiding her. Any advice? I think it's going back to the previous conversation that we had about passion and enjoyment for a subject. I liked the fact that the, the, the student enjoys what she's doing um, and is therefore making a decision based on what she's enjoying. That is the most important part of picking um, courses is what do you enjoy doing the most? Because when you go into a career linked to that subject, you're hoping that you've done that because you enjoyed that subject and will therefore enjoy your, your future career. And I think it's, it's going back to the conversation that it's absolutely fine to not know what you want to do too soon. I think you've got to explore your options. I think you've got to um, go out there and, 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 and try out some of these industries. And, and really, if, if the starting point is picking a subject because you love it, that is a great starting point. Mm. Um, and, and young people and parents shouldn't be afraid of, you know, using that reason as a, as a, a career path um, choice. Um, quite often, lots of people at university don't even know what they want to do after they've finished their degree. Um, and, and so therefore, it's important that we pick things that we enjoy. And I love the fact that that young lady is enjoying her subject and has picked based on that and wants to travel. Mm. And, you know, that that will be a great way to start her career is, is simply picking it because she enjoys it. Yeah. 
Next up, we have uh, Neve from Birmingham. So my child has high functioning autism and is set to go to university. I'm confident that they'll succeed in studying no problem, but it's some of the other areas that are of a concern to me, loud noises, lots of people. I know these kind of things can be offered cover, uh, covered in marketing materials, um, but do you have any advice or experience about somebody that might be um, going off to university with autism or maybe another disability, for example? I have a lot of, of experience of working with uh, local universities who are just the most amazing supportive teams of people. Um, I live in Hull, I'm quite fortunate to have Hull University uh, and Hull College on our doorstep who provide those young people with really supportive packages for their learning experiences. Um, and have all of the, the kind of processes and procedures in place to be able to um, allow all young people, regardless of any difficulties that they might be facing or any disabilities that they may have, to not only apply, get into that university, but also make the best of it and make excellent progress. Um, I know that the marketing materials do have uh, lots of information in them, but it's really worthwhile getting in touch with the outreach teams uh, in those universities and maybe asking specific questions. I think sometimes it can be very generalized in the marketing material. And I think a conversation is really important. So I would, I would definitely advise that parent to get in touch with the university, particularly the, out, the outreach teams, and just maybe ask for, um, a, a conversation or an email uh, communication about um, her daughter and what it is that they, they, they may need and how they can cater for those needs. And that would put everyone's minds at ease. They're a great team of people. They will provide lots of support and help. And I think that's the best route to, to speak into those teams in those universities. Great. Um, next up, uh, Manveer from Dudley. So my son doesn't want to go to university and is interested in getting an apprenticeship or a job, but is reluctant to apply um, through fear of rejection. Um, they know that parent, uh, they know that jobs are harder to seek and secure at the moment, um, possibly, and they think that's making him procrastinate. Um, they're worried that he thinks it will just happen and doesn't need to be proactive. And it's a bit of a battle getting him to look at anything. How <laughs> do they approach that? I think the fear of rejection is, is a big deal with young people, particularly boys. The first piece of advice that I would give both the student and the parents is to apply for as many apprenticeships as possible ones that they like of course not you know not not just anything um, but applying for a, a few will also give them that experience of the application process the interview process we've had a number of students who have had to apply for a couple before they've been successful and they've gained so much experience from that process that it's allowed them to succeed and and you know and get there in the end some are very lucky they, they, they kind of bag the first one that they get. Um, but that's not the case for everybody because for some, this is their first experience of a what I would call a serious and real application. This is, you know, we've done mocks in school, mock um, interviews in school. We've, we've, you know, we've practiced questions, but it doesn't really compare to the real thing. Uh, and so young people may find that for quite daunting. Um, but once they've, they've started on that application journey and they've given, given it a go, it does give them the, the, the motivation and the knowledge of, of what is expected in, in certain interviews and maybe makes them better prepared. We do have students who sit back and wait because they're either thinking, I want a long summer and some of these apprenticeships start in June, July, which you can understand. They've had a long school experience. And for some, they want to wait a little until September when quite a few of their friends might be going off to university to get their career started, which I completely understand. But again, maybe having a conversation with an employer. We've had some students who have seen an apprenticeship and absolutely thought that's for me, but not in a position to start in July when they've just finished their exams uh, and have contacted that employer and said, look, this is a great opportunity. I'm very, very interested, but the, the start date is not right for me please would you consider me in the future 
And actually, we've had a great response from that because employers have been recruiting regularly and have been uh, looking for young people. And I think that says a lot about you if you are able to contact that employer and say, I love what you do. I love who you are and, and the job role that you're sorry, the apprenticeship role that you're advertising. Um, but I'm, I'm not in a position to start right now. Can you can can we talk another time? And, and that's really, really great on the young person's part as well, because they've actually taken that proactive decision to get in touch and to communicate with a business uh, in advance. Um, it's about carrying out research and, and, and making sure that those who want to go on to an apprenticeship are looking at what's going on and what apprenticeships have come up in the past. Um, apprenticeships are not like university or UCAS where there's a specific timeline for applications they're coming out all the time but finding out what is out there even if you're not in a position to apply is absolutely fine we actively encourage our students to go onto the apprenticeships search site the government site and just take a look and even if we're nowhere near in a position to apply yet just figuring out what is out there and what's available is a really important uh, research process and an important part of work for the student as well yeah that's very good advice i know that i've uh, two episodes ago on the pod we've had the bbc and mark smith there was talking about um the fact that they're opening up vacancies in january um next year and that falls outside as you're saying kind of the traditional academic cycle that most people um think that jobs fall into um, I've worked within the, the big four accountancy firms and had lots of conversations where hiring managers at any point in the year have decided that they would love to launch an apprenticeship and that they want to ha start hiring straight away. And there's a lot of kind of merit, I think, sometimes in going on to employer websites and just joining a mailing list or following yeah. a Twitter channel or an Instagram page or something so that you catch these things when yeah. they happen as well. We have a, a, a number of students who are nearing the end of their exam year and who will join LinkedIn to start a profile uh, and start sharing the great work that they've done in school um, to, to attract attention for their, you know, their CVs, their future applications. So that's been really successful as well, you know, when they're ready to, to, to start that process, maybe looking at other options to communicate and network. Networking is really important. Uh, networking with the local business community is is a is a really um, great thing to do, uh, and I'd strongly recommend that parents have a have a look at that and and think about how their children can get involved with local networking. Obviously, in a in a, in a safe way, um, but it is a, an important part of the recruitment and selection process now. Mm. I've got one more question for you. So um, Jill from Hertfordshire. So my child has finished year 13 last June with good grades, didn't want to go to university when they finished as they didn't feel ready. Um, they've been lucky to have found work throughout the pandemic and are happy, comfortable, progressing well. Um, they turned 20 later this year. They've, so they've fallen out of the 16 to 19 support category um, as they're working um, and they, they don't seem to be getting the help and support. Um, as a parent, um, Jill is worrying that with no higher qualifications that they might struggle later in life in getting promotions or finding step up at what steps up at work. She nags a lot about looking for apprenticeships and has tried to seek them out for her. Um, she's worrying and um, would like to know, do I continue to spend my free time doing the footwork when it's not getting me anywhere? <laughs> <laughs> I can feel the frustration as you read out that that, that uh, message there. You know, as a mother myself, I could I could imagine that my daughter would would be quite similar. Um, it, again, it's a tough one, isn't it? It's this perception that you you absolutely have to have these higher level degree qualifications to become successful and get promoted within businesses. Um, we've had a number of students who have started out thinking that they need to go to university to, let's say, become a chartered accountant, when actually they, they didn't. They took an apprenticeship route and because they found that information, they made that choice. I think what's important right now is that that young person is happy, happy developing skills in the job role that she's in. But I think it's also important to start thinking about what the next steps might be. You know, there's no kind of rush to make a decision as such, but just thinking about where would I progress from here? 
I always encourage my students to have a conversation with an employer. You know, it might be the business that she's currently working with in, a, in the job that she's, she's gained uh, during the pandemic. You know, what career progression routes are available here? If not, it's looking in the, in the local area and thinking, where else would I go? And again, it's that research, you know, looking at what job roles exist elsewhere if it's not in the business that she's currently working in. It's a really difficult one because when I hear that a young person is happy and enjoying what they do, I find it very difficult to give them advice to change that. But as a parent, I guess you, you're looking for ways to ensure that your child is progressing and not kind of sitting back and holding back because they're comfortable right now. Speaking with the employer, speaking with the people who work in that business that she's currently working in to find out what else might be available is, is, a, is a starting point. Um, and, and maybe speaking to other businesses locally about how she can progress from the job that she's in right now to something else uh, and whether she does need to take additional qualifications or not. It's a very, very tough question. As a parent and a teacher myself, I would find that very difficult to hear that my, my daughter is enjoying her life and enjoying her job. But at the same time, I also wanted to progress at the, the rate that she's capable of. And I think keeping, you know, those conversations going is also important. You know, we, she said they're not to, should I, should I stop? Should I uh, stop doing the, the, the footwork? Absolutely stop doing all of the work <laughs> and allow, and, you know, and allow, allow them to make decisions. But again, it's just hinting, isn't it? Without um, placing too much pressure on, on, on that young person, hinting at maybe what are you thinking about next? Are there any opportunities locally? Um, again, you know, is something happening in the local business community that means an opportunity might come up and just keeping the conversation there without really, you know, making too much of a, uh, of a stress for both, for both the parent and the, and the student and allowing them to enjoy what they're doing now. Tough question. It's a tough one. Very good answer though, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's the end of the questions and uh, I'm just going to wrap things up and say thank you for spending time with us on the podcast it's been great to get your insight your advice and your huge amount of experience that you've got um, there's so much there that I know parents are going to get a lot out of thank you thank you very much I've absolutely loved talking to you and I hope that, that I've said today will will help uh, both students parents and, and teachers and careers leaders I guess it's about all of us getting involved in this process Thank you for joining us, Sarah, and for answering our listeners' questions. Some fantastic advice shared. A quick reminder that you can submit yours via the link in the show notes. So that's it for another episode. Please do subscribe and switch on your notifications, as well as recommending to your friends and family, and maybe even leave us a review. We'll be back soon with more careers experts, insights from employers, and more parents and carers just like you, seeking support for career conversations with your children. Until then, don't forget, it's time for your perspective to count.